0: lovely listeners and welcome back to Scratching the Surface. It's Tara here, the host. I actually have something very new in store. My lovely friend John Ralph, who's been on the podcast a few months ago, he offered to interview me So we have John as the interviewer, and I'm actually the interviewee today. Uh, We ended up recording for so long, we were having so much fun and diving so deep into my life and experiences that I've decided to put it out over three episodes. So today just really looks at my early childhood and where I come from and maybe what shaped who I am today. You can look forward to crazy turbulent teenage years in part two and then coming up into adulthood and my cancer diagnosis in part three. I've taken a fair bit of time away from the podcasting as I was moving house. I've been figuring some things out. I was traveling, was away on holiday, visiting family and friends. And I just really needed to figure out what is my next moves in this life. It's now three years exactly today from my diagnosis of the brain cancer, terminal brain cancer. So I have well bypassed the 14 to 16 months prognosis that I was given on that day. And I just thought this is a perfect way to celebrate and I'm getting back to talking with like-minded people, sharing my story, sharing other people's amazing little stories and hopefully shedding some light on your day. So here's part one. Enjoy.
1: So today we're flipping the script for Tara and I'm going to be the one interviewing her. So Tara, let's go back right to the start. I want to know everything about you growing up so let's start with life in Ballycastle, Antrim.
0: Oh, hello, hello, John. Um, thanks so much for doing this. Like was, I've been very nervous actually thinking about it, but then also like excited and like, okay, yes, but flipping the switch is just a really, really good idea. So thanks for that idea. And we've been kind of in the background, been thinking about it and um, passing notes back and forward, haven't we? So it's been fun uh, leading up to this, but yeah I suppose bring bring me right back to when I was younger I actually was born into a little council estate up at the top of the town and you know obviously when you're a young child you don't know you just you know I just had fun I was enjoying having loads of friends around me and everything but in the background my dad actually was really mad to get back up to our um, our home place but Ballet Castle, it's a little seaside town um i went to the local school i you know had friends that were just all really local to me and even out as far as ballantoy and stuff so you know birthdays away out there it's just all around the coast really really beautiful i remember days down on the beach you know going in for swims and stuff which now it's so freezing i would never get in without uh you know a shorty or a wetsuit or something but no bother to you when you're a child and then like just just really simple honestly simple simple life I mum has told me in more recent times that they were really struggling you know money wise and stuff that she was she would remember not even having enough money to fully maybe feed, she would feed us and then not have enough money for herself, you know, in the early days. Um, but obviously I would never, ever have known, known noticed that or known. I um, suppose it was just her situation. <laughs> I
1: mind. think that's the key to growing up in Ireland is that there's so many families that were larger than what they are now. And putting mm. food on the table was definitely our parents' priority. Um, So for those who don't know you at all, um, how many siblings do you have?
0: So I'm the eldest of five. Now, Erin is the wee late one. So at the very start, there was just me and Zag. And so we were best, best, best friends, like, You know like we muggers together uh we we even had like bunk beds we shared a room and everything but interestingly my uncle robert he actually lived with us my whole life so um he's in a wheelchair he's got cerebral palsy from birth being my mommy's twin um and i actually felt like he was like a big older brother as well do you know and we used to watch all these little cartoons he Danger Mouse, bet you nobody my age knows that, of, of that, because it is a bit of an older show. The Muppets, things like that. And, yeah, I just grew up, like, with him feeling like an older brother. You know, we, we actually did a little radio show together and stuff. But, yeah, the, the five the five of us then came in steps and stairs, and I was such a wee tomboy, John, a bit. You didn't know that, like, especially the way I am now.
1: You'd never um, know now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I love my wee... Well, I am a bit. People call me like would say that I'm a bit, um, what do they say, agey? I like charity shopping and stuff like that, but. Whenever I was younger, definitely mom was trying to have me in all the wee cute dresses and whatever. But no, I was like, no, I want to be like the boys. I just wanted to game and play their little computer games and stuff. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I love it. I love it. Um, Tell me a bit about the dynamics between you guys when you were younger, because we all have our little personalities when we're when we're small and they can be quite strong. And with that Mm -hmm. many people in the same house, surely it must have been a, a very fun and busy time for your parents
0: so whenever we got moved up to the farm um like my dad actually like him and his brothers and friends and everything like the whole thing is apparently he had friends coming up to help build the house up at the farm rebuild it because it was the, the wee homestead place um where he had grown up and then they were we were in, in the town but he actually he paid them with boxes of beer and they were happy out with that (laughs) and and so I just remember us thinking that we were you know the the back walls and everything we would be there with the big cement mixers and the big the speeds and stuff thinking that we literally made the wall like now obviously in adulthood I'm like oh dad was pretending that oh yeah that's a great wall you did but it was you know it was really it it was fab um yeah me and my brothers and it was just like a playground up here. We would, my dad would take us on the weekends up and around the forest and um, through all the farmland up around here on massive like adventures and stuff. But I am very aware that I did really take on a bit of a, a mothering role. I don't know yeah. if it's because I'm the eldest and I was the only girl. I'm not sure, you know, the whole gender stereotype or whatever I don't know if that was something that happened to me but I remember changing nappies and everything when I was like eight years old and I don't know if that was maybe because of that time of life like our parents didn't really know any better and whatever and there was maybe you know they would be drinking on weekends and whatever and definitely I remember growing up going in and out to pubs and stuff and yeah I suppose that was just the norm wasn't it but
1: and actually, I think I resonate with you. I think the eldest of the family is, and I've said this before, is almost like the third parent at times. Like I mm-hmm. have a sister getting married this year and exactly the same thing that I remember changing her nappies. You kind of assume a more responsible role earlier on.
0: Mm. Well, Stephen, I think it was maybe especially you know, on like a Sunday morning. And again, you're so young. You don't know. You don't know that people get hung over. You don't know by alcohol, whatever. But on a Sunday morning, yeah, I definitely remember like feeling like I was the mommy or whatever um obviously now whenever I talk about it with my parents they're like nearly really nearly crying mommy's like oh like was that awful and we must have been awful parents and it's like no that's just the way it was everybody just mucked in and just nobody you know until you know better you, do, you do, can't do better like and I think that's the way it was and if you're saying that and you know you were from way down the country in the south and it was just kind of similar yeah it wasn't a big deal you just kind of got on with it but we actually had loads of cousins and everything as well there was always loads of people around and I remember us just oh the adventures that we would have and the silly games we would have outside and going up and down like the burn you know like this little river along the fields and stuff I did have a really privileged childhood like it was amazing really really amazing but also of course and as I'm sure everybody I don't know to what degree but there was also a lot of crazy things that maybe not everybody did have I'm, I just don't know and um, remember like the big roar, roar and rouse and up and down to the cousins and you know oh I have to stay down here like just oh I don't know I don't know if that's normal but that's definitely what kind of set the scene for me then I think as I was growing up and I don't know if then it fed into my teenage years and anxiety and everything I'm just not sure
1: Okay, yeah. So you touched upon their kind of having to go to your cousins. Um, Were you guys a tight knit extended family? I know a lot of Irish families in particular. We kind of get passed around like I remember going to my aunts and uncles at times when my mom was pregnant and having babies. I was at my grandparents. Was it definitely like a sense that the broader community kind of raised everybody else's kids? Is that how you found it to be?
0: Yeah yeah no definitely it was um they would be they would come up to ours and stay and it could be for nights and nights in a row and we'd all be crying and begging no please like (laughs) don't let them go whatever um but I even remember having when I was younger I had like such a it was for me I'm probably the luckiest one then of all all of my siblings because (sighs) then there was all these stupid petty like arguments in the family and sure for the time I was 14 because then um, my youngest sister, I actually was there for her birth. Um, I cut the cord and everything. I was mom's birth and partner. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, she, she, it was all already happened. Like there was so many fallouts and we, I didn't see them cousins. And now we don't really have a relationship. How awful is that? Like,
1: That's interesting. Um, where do you feel the tension came from within the family? Uh-huh.
0: So this is something that, you know, I think even I did a podcast episode, me and my mum together a good while ago, and we have kind of touched on it and whatever, but just the way that people used to carry on and would, oh, that's it, like big the big blazing rows and fallouts over, honestly, what I would say is nothing or just petty stuff. And that's the ones I did grow up with and play with. And, you know, that was my childhood. And yeah, it's really, it's really sad to think of.
1: And has there been any attempt to reconcile at all, or is it just one of those things that it happened so long ago that people are just letting the dust kind Mm. of settle as it is?
0: I suppose now in my adulthood, I, I very much feel like it would be a good idea and I have tried to push it and especially like with my parents like oh and so on you know the other side on my dad's side there's been uh, fallouts and back and forward and now that's all really resolved and it's all really good actually um I'm down in my uncle's house here now uh recording this because it's a bit more peaceful and the wi-fi's better and everything so yeah I know it's been a lot lot better on that side but no on the other side no it's just I think it's just too too much you know even my mom herself as a child there was just so much like she lost both of her parents when she was younger and everything and oh it probably was the setup for our when I was a teenager then the big blazing rows um you know just all the stuff unhealed that's what I kind of went into for work then whenever you don't heal things at the root it's just going to manifest and it's just going to get worse you know for your own family and I suppose for then for us it was it was oh yeah (laughs) it's a wonder we've got there now like we're really good now but yeah absolutely
1: (laughs) I think though on on a lot of different sides with many different people time maturity kind of helped to iron things out and and things that seemed so big when we were younger um Mm -hmm. we can laugh about it now I think that that's an important thing to be able to do
0: yeah totally and especially now it's just interesting that then I've went down the path I have because then I'll go with all the research and I'll make them watch or listen to things and be like this is what's happened and this is the only reason that it's like this and all you know and they're they're, they are like I'm actually so proud of them because they're always like wanting to listen and learn and I do just think that's what happened In, in my experience my parents didn't really get the full education that they would have loved like my dad he ended up leaving school when he was in Oh, he was about thirteen or fourteen, never got a qualification. He um was happy out just, you know, working outdoors. And mum, she was planned to go down to Dublin to be to do art therapy. Uh, she was really, really good at art and that's whenever her mommy died at 17 and she took on my uncle, like I was mentioned before, with the cerebral palsy and the wheelchair and stuff. So it just didn't happen. And I just think probably there was a bit of resentment and a bit of, yeah, yeah, it's just the way it happened.
1: And how did your uncle joining your family impact the family as a whole and impact you?
0: That like, like I say, it was like an older brother to me. It was actually fab, so fab. But I think the main thing is it set us all up for being so empathetic, so aware, so aware of difference, of disability, of just being a decent person for people that are a bit different to you. Like, you know I have friends actually I'll tell you this story I've just come to my head there was a fella that I was seeing for a while actually before I went to Canada and I think this was the reason that it just completely broke off and you know you go through the whole oh I thought he was the one and oh my god he came up to meet my family and my mum then she is in a wheelchair um now and he couldn't look at her he couldn't come off his he was so nervous that like he couldn't come off his phone to talk to her and she spoke to him a few times and he'd turned his back about that like on oh, wow. oh he just, yeah he was just so nervous and just didn't know how to deal with it and he was like a 30 year old man and I just thought you are that disgusts me like how you are treating her or whatever right now and you know bringing it back like I just think I am so blessed to have grown up with that experience because I know I would never ever treat anybody different it's not even just about disability just somebody that is anyway different or has struggles or whatever I'm I'm that person that in a shop or on the street or whatever would be would feel okay to go out and be like oh here let me take that for you or like oh are you all right here you know rather than turning a blind eye and being nervous about it like that's what that's where I was blessed and lucky you know
1: yeah I think that type of reaction screams to me now I would have seen it before as an ignorance or Um, A closed mindedness, but I guess that can also come from fear. And as you were saying, exposure to all of this growing up gives you such a a wider vision of the world and how things are not necessarily always perfect or in a bubble.
0: Mm -hmm. No, exactly. Exactly. And even, do you know what? I think my dad, he's one of eight. And I think even like every one of them is so different as well. Like, uh, yeah, every one of them. And even thinking back to that as well just next door was two of my uncles I lived together and one of them was like an artist and did all these really cool art artsy things and I got to go down in and like really I grew from that as well I would go down in and be like emerged and writing little stories and then he would illustrate them in painting and drawing and everything and so that was another part of my childhood like yeah I'd, whenever I'm saying all this out loud I could do be really really blessed um, but then also I suppose other people would see that there was a lot of adversity as well.
1: Well, take me back to Little Tara then. So you touched upon you like to do some painting and drawings. What else interested Little Tara? What what was she like?
0: Yeah, little young me, I was. I was very I was a bit like airy fairy arty kind of, which I am so sad I lost that until more recently. I I just kinda suppose I went to school and was kind of seen as the good girl really good at school I was very so I actually I was only four when I started school and most of my peers were like five years old so I was extremely shy can you believe that Mm -hmm.
1: now (laughs) no I can't that's a lie Um, you're lying (laughs) um,
0: I swear because even there's a few ones now that they're oh they're crippled with anxiety and they're very very shy now as adults you know friends of mine and I used to follow them about the playground like a wee pet lamb so nervous so shy so quiet definitely in school like you know my mom had said that in the school reports it was always she's such a good girl she's always following instructions oh you could ask her and she'll just do whatever you ask her like she's brilliant and all but actually, was that just a wee coping mechanism? Was that because I was so younger and I felt that and I was very aware of it? I just don't know. Although I know that I was, because I was the youngest, the firstborn. like me and mum had a lot of one-to-one time and she, you know, read a lot to me and I really was probably bright for for my younger age and stuff in, in my year. But um, school, I I think I just kind of loved everything I was happy to do everything i was really curious and everything but i don't know again if that comes back to me being out in the wilderness a lot you know i was like um almost like a little hippie child (laughs) and i've got myself back to that again now um i know that my parents would say that i just always loved trees and flowers all the colors and stuff i just love getting up around the forest and everything so definitely kind of set the scene for now who i'm supposed to be which i was you know, I wasn't allowing myself to probably whenever I was worrying about work and jobs and stuff as an adult, but I've got there. I'm back there now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you touched on, on being shy and about spending a lot of one-on-one time with your mom. And I think that also comes with being the oldest. Cause I would describe my experience as the same. I was cripplingly shy when I was younger and I didn't get to go to uh, play school as it was called. Um, Mm. Whereas my sisters did and they kind of flourished. And I I felt that, you know, at the age of three and four, they were so much more confident than me. But just like you said, you enjoyed the one on one time with your mother Mm. and therefore you would pick things up kind of a lot quicker from perhaps the adult world. That's how I Mm. kind of felt. You notice things differently than I think if you were in the middle or at the at the end of, of your family
0: yeah then you know what's weird and interesting I don't know if you have any light on this but I actually maybe because of the shyness and I don't know why maybe with me having that one-to-one time with mum why I wasn't even a bit more confident but I tried out loads of different things Irish dancing gymnastics GAA sports different things not one of them stuck I just wasn't I suppose maybe I just wasn't that way inclined I wasn't a really sporty kind of person but you know, that I find that quite interesting, like, why, especially if I did have all that one on one time and my mom was a mad, like, career. she, you know, she was so sad that I didn't take it
1: up. That's so funny that you again mentioned that because I was the exact same. I did hurling, I did football, I did soccer. I They brought me to keyboard lessons. I used to sing in the choir. And I don't know, I think for me, it was a confidence issue where I was like, I'm not worthy of almost trying any of these. So I would almost yeah. shut down and I would kind of want to default back to the family bubble as such. Yeah. I want to be around my mom and dad all the time and kind of leave yeah. it at that, that it took yeah. me a while to kind of grow out of that even true primary and secondary school and I'm going to ask you about those in a moment but I have to say Tara for me if I didn't go through what I did as a child I don't think that I would be as strong as an adult because I realized how quiet and shy I was and life kind of pulls you out of that so segueing from that into your schooling Mm -hmm. tell me what your primary school experience was like
0: primary school like I say I know that I was that child that just followed the crowd I was very shy and allowed myself to just you know oh whatever you want to play oh oh but then you know when you get that bit older there was the whole like (laughs) kissy chasing and stuff like that I'm I always remember just being mortified like no way oh no oh no kind of thing where the rest of the the like my friends like all the girls that were maybe just maybe a year older than me just By default like my birthday is literally the end of June and then they some of their birthdays were the start of July so they were five when I was four do you know what I mean and -hmm. then right up till like I suppose they were maybe getting their hormones and I was not or whatever um but Mm -hmm. oh in primary school I remember do you know what I don't really remember as much about the learning I just know I was very yeah I probably excelled excelled in anything and you know the especially literacy i always always was good at writing and my spellings you know kind of top of the bloody thing for spelling and reading and whatever but maths maybe i all from the very start wasn't the best at um but i just mostly remember i was like out behind the way the bike shed thing at the school and we there was uh, like three girls and two fellas and we would go out and pretend that we were Westlife and sing and sing and sing Westlife and that was my that's my m- main memory is of us just loving Westlife obsessed with web, with Westlife and just yeah that's all I kind of really remember I don't remember a lot about primary school. I think I've maybe blocked eye I don't know <laughs>
1: You know, it's funny you mentioned the games that we all play in school and it used to embarrass me so much, especially oh, when I was in my teens and I would think back. Myself and my sisters used to play these weird games, but now I I accept the fact that it was because we had such great imaginations, which was yeah. kind of fueled by the books we read as children or TV shows that were a lot less PC in the 90s than they are now. Um, yeah. So it, it's kind of funny that we laugh at embarrassment at these things, but Um, I guess in Irish primary schools and I'm probably making a broad statement we you know we didn't have the the toys or the the equipment that they probably do now so if you didn't make up a game with the cardboard box or your uh, Mm -hmm. bean cans that you brought from home that was it you didn't get to play
0: yeah absolutely yeah and like I say even the singing and stuff sure we didn't need anything we just we were even doing dance routines and all around the back of that bloody mobile (laughs) didn't mean anything (laughs) other than ourselves (laughs) I love it
1: um and then what about secondary school I think secondary school is a funny one for me um you start to turn into your early teens 13 14 and Mm -hmm. you kind of have to deal with everything about the change in environment plus the kind of up leveling of the frequency and the the speed of learning plus dealing with all the hormones and and regular issues that teens have to deal with how was it for you how did you find the transition
0: oh goodness it was yeah that was bad that was really bad like I mean that's probably when everything started to manifest like I didn't know any reasons of why or obviously whenever you're young you just don't understand or whatever but yeah my literally first second year like a lot of bullying a lot of um just really girls that were very very bitchy and I don't know if it was just the way I had grown up like I said before growing up with Robert and growing up with like a kind of a more broader maybe view on the world and view on people I just couldn't I just didn't I couldn't accept that people would be so nasty and like bitchy so I remember times I would be in the wee toilet cubicles in school literally having my feet up because I was like oh god I don't want them to see my school shoes and that'll be at break time and then lunchtime it got that bad that I would just get my mum to pick me up and go home but in hindsight I think it's probably because I was still like that shy little girl and maybe not as developed I'm like hormonal and you know as teenage as they were when I was only because I went to secondary school then at, at age 11 and some of these ones would have been like 13 and whatever but yeah absolute hell like and I just remember not even wanting to continue by the time I was like 14 I you know was even considering like well tried the whole like cutting myself and stuff and I just but I'm so squeamish I just couldn't really even do it I would do wee bits and it it just wouldn't work like and I'm laughing about it but it's not one bit funny like it definitely isn't that is as yeah that that was my reality I um oh, I started drinking when I was far too young like 14 um yeah yeah really really not good to start with um yeah definitely had an eating disorder remember coming home from school with my pockets like stuffed with different foods and whatever from the tuck shop and obviously that meant I hadn't eaten in all day um and then there would be drawers in my room that, that that would all pile up and then I would with my younger siblings and cousins um oh well let's play tuck or whatever and you know that that was just like the norm which again it's only when I'm a bit older that I've kind of talked it through with my mom and dad and they were like yeah no we were at the point where we were literally about to take you to like the hospital like it was bad
1: but and and did you confide in anybody when you were younger when you were going through that or did you completely internalize it and it had to be found out
0: yeah no god I didn't I didn't talk about it to anybody, and I just thought that was the norm. That was just way, like definitely when we. I feel like when we were growing up, you didn't talk about mental health. You didn't talk about your feelings. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I think it's basically caused loads of the people in my year group looked on the outside like they were had it all together, and they were so fun, and they were so sporty, and you know they had something going on or they had these other little groups or whatever and I just felt like I didn't really maybe fit in um yeah it's no, funny we
1: were... again how when we're younger we kind of place all the blame on ourselves in in this situation mm-hmm. and we kind of overthink about oh what it's me I'm the problem here what's wrong with me and we spend so much time thinking and figuring it out um mm-hmm. I guess as an adult in a I hope, and I'm sure you feel this way too, is that we know that it's, it's really not us. Um, where would you pinpoint that things could have been different if there was different systems in place or if there had been uh, a body of people looking out for you more?
0: Oh, I'd, I, I mean, I even growing up was a bit crazy, crazy. Of course I had these younger siblings and stuff, but then even, mom and dad like there was a lot lot, it was really futile at times and I just think they weren't in the headspace to deal with it really as well as I needed um I mean their explosive arguments and stuff was just even enough like I wasn't gonna be going chatting to them about it they're already it felt like there was already enough going on and then that I had younger siblings I was nearly I felt like awful that oh look at me I like I can't even cope with this and they haven't even got up to secondary school yet like oh how shit am I what a shit role model am I for them just because of how probably shit I felt in myself as it was everything just was like probably coming down coming down oh like John my skin like I had the worst acne everything I just do you know that kind of typical teenage like typical teenager of just having hell and yeah the school definitely didn't do enough to support that like the school knew that I was getting out every lunchtime I was going through the front office to go out mum was picking me up in her big black jeep at the front and then getting dropped off again after lunchtime like they knew that but they they didn't ever say anything they didn't ever talk to me talk to the girl the girls that was in my year group or anything and it you know luckily what ended up happening was then I think I was about fourteen, and just by chance in maths class, um, I ended up in the back back of the classroom. Probably I chose to be at the back of the classroom, um, and like maths was just my not my strong point. I bloody hated it. I, I still hate it. It's still oh, it's just so hard my for too. me. Me <laughs> too. But Onya, um, my my good friend now, Anya, she was at the back as well, and we sparked up this brand new friendship, um she hadn't really been in school for a while like just with things that had been going on for her and so we both started writing notes to each other at the back of the class and then of course we got caught and we were like oh my god do we just swallow it do we get oh my god like did we give it up like oh god that was our wee bond that's how we got friendly and that was the start of it that was when i first started feeling like i actually had good friends actually cared and that we could actually do fun things outside of school and that with us we were like joined at the hip like she ended up coming on holiday with me and mum to Paris we went the three of us and then sure me and Anya went to that like, Disneyland, Disneyland Paris on our own and mum just dropped us off and come back for us kind of thing and yeah that was the that was kind of the change that I still was hated my body because then especially all the my new girlfriends through her um they all like had these like, you know, lovely feminine bodies. And I just felt like this like, I don't know, stick insect, not 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 a curve on me. So yeah, I just always felt really inferior, even though my friends wouldn't have thought that or known that. I just always felt, oh, like the ugly one, you know, kind of thing.
1: Well, as you said before, we don't necessarily volunteer this information when we're that age because it's seen as weakness. So mm. if you were to confide that in anybody you risk more bullying right but mm-hmm. i guess i you know there's so many parallels between me and you but i was the same it took me until 16 and it really was when i found somebody else and then a solid friend group that you kind of go you know i'm not alone in this there's other people experiencing the same things we may not talk about it but when you start to find your tribe and i think you know this goes for us when we're kids it goes for us now when we're adults that when you're not alone in something, it does bring a reassurance and you can kind of realize that not everything is about the way you perceive it. And you can definitely grow by learning, Hey, look, we're all in this together. And, uh, this guy over here has got spots as well, or this guy here isn't as tall as that other guy over there. Um, so that's great to, to, to hear that you turned that around. So tell me then that was the start of your secondary school experience when you kind of found your tribe, um, how did it change for you?
0: Well, they were just from where that friend of mine, Anya lived, there was a few ones like around her site. So then we all, I was only 14, Anya, she was always a year or an age. like she was like one of those, her birthday's July. So she was always that bit older and maybe allowed to go out a bit younger and or older, you know what I mean? Because of our age difference and whatever. Mm. Sure, didn't I start going out and drinking and partying and nightclubbing from honestly I was about 14 uh, which at the time was just amazing great fun and everything and I I actually discovered that I really loved to like go dancing and I really loved just to that's when I started becoming really social I suppose because before that sure I was so shy and then of course now I'm thinking about it it's probably just because there was alcohol wasn't there
1: but... How how was alcohol introduced to you? Because I know especially I I think the Irish people, it, it gets introduced mm-hmm. to us a bit earlier. And because it's a forbidden fruit, we tend to go a little bit crazier earlier. Whereas in places like France and Italy, they grow up drinking wine at the dinner table. It's not mm-hmm. like that for us. Um, so how was it how was it that you came to have your your first taste of alcohol? And then um were you able to continue drinking? alongside older people or did you have to kind of hide it how, how did that play out for you
0: oh I would have obviously I can laugh about it with my mom now but I would have you know both all well any of my friends it was we were all heading out and we would end up like down in the bloody dugouts in the town and we would all be pretending we were staying at each other's houses you know that whole thing oh I'm just going for a sleepover we're going to get loads of snacks and a takeaway and watch movies and we'd all be telling each other that are each other's parents that so and,
1: and what yeah. alcohol was it that you guys were drinking at that time
0: started with these big three liter bottles of bloody cider <laughs> and
1: you'd be spinning <laughs> around
0: yeah you'd be spinning around on the grass and. But then you know falling over because you're so dizzy and ha 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 it's so hilarious. But then you'd be sick as a dog the next day, <laughs> and then oh there was even times there'd be house parties like um one of our friends his mum um would have been maybe working nights or like maybe had a partner that was away. So anytime there was a free house then we would be straight there and it would be awful awful like cracking into her wine cupboard, cracking into her drink cupboard whatever it was I remember even taking stuff from my house sneaking it under you know in my sleepover bag and could be spirits everything like straight you'd be drinking it straight oh even thinking about it I can't I couldn't do that now like oh
1: awesome um it's definitely a rite of passage I think many many of us go through is our first kind of relationship with alcohol and And thankfully for most of us, we don't continue in the same vein. You mentioned before that you kind of lost your love for art a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. It's always harder in our later teens to kind of keep up um, the hobbies we used to have because we have so much more going on, especially exams in school. How did um, exams go for you towards your later end of the secondary school life?
0: Yeah, do you know what? Somehow I managed to keep, my grades up like not all throughout the year like I would always be nearly getting in trouble with my teachers then so going from being the model pupil in primary school to then in secondary school so many arguments with the teachers like leave me alone I promise I'll get it done like I'm just not going to do it on your schedule like you know what I mean really oh um but I always came out with good grades I ended up getting my three A's A level um but I actually started working a wee job and again I think it is because I had them older friends like I was mentioning um, that friend of mine she lived in a site that there was a few girls from our school so then we kind of maybe all started walking up the road together or whatever I would never ever just go straight on home I'd usually go up to hers after school and um, the few girls that were the year above us then we all started socializing together so they all had jobs like part-time jobs from they were a kind of normal age 15 I started working then when I was like 13 14 you know for like two pounds 50 an hour um so really outside of going out like clubbing and stuff I was working and then yeah was getting my coursework done and everything I feel like I just didn't really have any other hobbies you know whenever you are that age it was just hanging out at your friends or just walking up and down the street hoping that like the boys are going to come along to the park or whatever
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. how did you, how did you find having a job at that age um i remember when i was in school there were some of us who used to work and then there was others who didn't and i, I definitely think there's pluses and minuses to both sides of the spectrum but um did you find working at a younger age a positive or negative experience overall?
0: Oh, no, it was brilliant. Definitely so good. It was so fun as well. Like I always worked with, there was always girls around my age that I was working with. You know, either we local ice cream shop or then it was in a restaurant just over the way. Um, just because it was a bit more money or whatever then I moved over to there and there was always ones around my age and we would end up afterwards you know go and maybe get a pizza together or whatever but even just the fun that we would have in work you know whenever the bosses weren't like watching or weren't like around then you could just have so much fun I like, know I really loved it and I definitely it made me grow up a lot more it definitely made me mature.
1: I agree. Um, I agree. For me, it was similar. I I think I socially became active properly when I started working, and because you had your money, it you felt like a little adult, and you could go off and buy your own, you know, bar of chocolate or crisps or drink in the pub if if that's what fanci- took your fancy. It kind of makes us independent a little bit too, right?
0: Yeah, but then the other thing was because I loved going out and stuff, I needed my own money to be buying all these bloody clothes and to pay for the nights out or whatever. So. I suppose I was working but then I was spending it all in the same kind of week or whatever but that was another thing all through my teenage years me and mum my mum was an absolute well she was I don't allow her to be anymore but absolute shopaholic and so you know you just do what you see don't you like I just learned behavior so we used to go shopping like all the time that was our kind of thing and yeah per dad he was always trying to get me to go out on his walks and all and I was no like it's too cool for that kind of a thing which is awful isn't it like that's just what ends up happening but now I am glad to say I just love charity shopping I have mum that she won't be going you know she doesn't go shopping anymore like doing all that and yeah I just um it's so crazy how things have all changed you know
1: absolutely so with drinking and schooling and working and shopping. Um, how did you find time to make what I feel is one of the biggest decisions of people's lives, and we're expected to make it so young? How did you manage to come to a decision about what way you wanted to take your career in college?
0: Oh, John, that was such so, such a hard decision, actually, because you know what? All through secondary school, I was really, really good at writing and I was I ended up getting the English award at GCSE um or oh, wow. yeah like really really loved writing and still do actually I still I, not like there I was away on holiday and I bought a little notebook and I just found myself writing like poems and you know kind of journaling but then it would kind of more turn into like a bit of a story or a bit of a passage or whatever um I really really loved it but my my particular school um it was just like the the local one was it didn't have english language as a a level um and i get really really travel sick so i wasn't willing to go and get a bus for at least half an hour to go to other schools so yeah i just didn't i didn't didn't stick that i didn't take it on um They didn't have English, they only had English lit, which I didn't really like English literature. It was more that I liked the writing and the whole, you know, like that. So I think probably because of my younger experience and being the eldest and my experience with Robert that I ended up doing health and social care. And, you know, that's where I probably that's what made me then go on to do. No, do you know what? I actually went off to university to do psychology. And whenever I went into the first the first day lecture, it was very sciencey. And I the halftime toilet break, I ran up to the front office and was like, "No, I'm not doing that. You need to change. I need to change. Like, I need to do something else. Like, I'm not doing this." So I changed and did early childhood studies and youth work, which, in a roundabout way, has probably been the right thing because i do love oh i just love working with kids and it keeps it keeps me young i get to be that inner me inner child you know me with these kids and you know and all the work i've been doing then since
1: that's amazing i love that um just to go back for a second um did you have doubts about going for the psychology course at all or was it literally on the first day your mind kind of switched and was like oh no, the actual fact I'm here is making me realize this is too sciencey. I need to get out of here and need to make that change.
0: Well, when I was at school, it was the health and social care and stuff that I was really into, really good at. You wouldn't believe my other A-level was religion. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know where the hell that came from. I think just because, yeah, there maybe wasn't ones that I really wanted to do, um, which is hilarious now because I'm just not, really religious at all
1: and were um, you were you religious were your family religious um
0: not me at all No, i'm actually a bit more like my dad he he always kind of refused to he went along at the start but whenever we were messing about and the boys especially were messing about he just was like no like why are we doing this he wasn't that kind of a person he never probably went before having us mum was a bit more her I know that her mother I never got to meet my granny but was very 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 religious but my dad was a bit more of like a free spirit he just was very he like loved all the he he kind of taught me like mother earth is what and I I kind of follow that's what I feel like we are just blessed to be here with this like abundance and this mother earth and all that like you know and I that was not when I grew grew up I wasn't yes I loved us getting out for our walks and he would talk all about like the growth and talk about these ancient trees and just all this but he wasn't anyway trying to like put that on me about religion at all um I didn't kind of cop onto that till now probably more in my my later adulthood not like I mean more recent years but when I was at school oh my goodness I loved singing the hymns I loved going into the I loved the whole feeling you got going into the chapel and to be honest I probably still do when I go in for people's weddings and funerals and stuff I really do feel like very it's very peaceful and it's it's really it's feels lovely but I just think I've like traveled a lot since. And I feel like that going into any religious place, I, I just feel that little sense of peace and serenity and respect probably for like the different religions and everything. And I just, unfortunately I feel like the church is just too, it's too oppressive. It just doesn't really work for me anymore. It's definitely not something that I even remember or stick with or anything. So Uh, sorry to my old RE teachers (laughs) closing off on a bit of a cliffhanger there just as we get diving deep into religion in Ireland (laughs) well hopefully that means that you'll want to come back for the second episode remember this is a three part episode I just thought uh, there's a lot a lot to get through a lot to kind of process and I didn't want to bombard and overwhelm so tune in in a couple days time
1: for part two.